Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. after John, but they had not heard that Jesus had come. I can almost see Paul's face when he heard this. Here was a group of believers just waiting to hear the message of Jesus, and they gladly received baptism in the name of Jesus. But in the story previous to this, Paul, Priscilla, and Aquila had met Apollos in Ephesus. He was a learned man and taught about Jesus, but he too knew only about the baptism of John. They heard him in the synagogue, and Priscilla and Aquila invited him to their home and explained to him the ways of God. So apparently there are these more believers who knew only of the baptism of John, but Paul sets them straight. There is something more out there, and that is the baptism of Jesus that he commanded in Matthew 28, 19. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So on this Baptism of the Lord Sunday, I'd like to explore the question, what exactly is baptism? Well, we aren't exactly sure where baptism originated. There was a Jewish proselyte baptism which came to take the place of circumcision for Gentile converts. Some say baptism had its origin in the ritual cleansing that Jews did. And as we read today in two passages, the immediate predecessor of Christian baptism was the baptism of John the Baptist. Jesus himself is baptized by John in the Jordan, and when he comes up out of the water, he sees the heaven torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove and the heaven voice from heaven saying, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Well, who can be baptized? Well, anyone who has repented of their sins. And this usually brings up the question of infant baptism. Well, guess what? The Church of the Nazarene has always baptized infants. We give parents the choice of baptizing or dedicating their infants. This is because we had different groups joining together in 1908 at Pilot Point. Some dedicated and some baptized, so we compromised and put both rituals in the manual. However, John Wesley, coming from the Church of England's tradition, was an advocate of baby baptism. The reason why was he taught that baptism we enter, in baptism we entered into a covenant with God and are admitted into the church and made children of God, and babies can do this. Infants should be baptized because they are also involved with the guilt of the sin of Adam. The second reason is because baptism is the continuity of the covenant of grace that God made with Abraham. Infants can enter into that covenant with God. The third reason was based on Matthew 19, 13 through 14, and Luke 18 through 15, that little children should be brought to Christ. The fourth reason is that the apostles baptized entire households, so that means they most likely baptized infants. 
The fifth and final reason is that infant baptism has been the practice of the church in all ages and all places, all places, and that's called the argument from tradition. Well, baptism is the way in which we bear the mark of Christ. God has always marked his people. Under the old covenant, he used circumcision to mark his people. The mark of initiation into the new covenant is baptism. In the Exodus, God also marked his people as they were to mark their doorposts with the blood of the lamb. In Revelation 7, the servants of God are marked with a seal on their foreheads. Baptism is the way in which we live the life of Christ. This is because in baptism we have died when we are immersed into the water. We die the death of Christ when we go down and when we come out of the water, we are raised again with him. If you are sprinkled or poured instead of immersed, this is all implied. Romans 6, 1 through 3 says, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We die to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? When the believer is baptized, he or she experiences death to sin. Baptism is the way in which we receive the Spirit of Christ. We heard in the Mark passage today about Christ's baptism, and we heard that he received the Holy Spirit. In Luke and Matthew, when he is baptized, they also say he received the Holy Spirit. And John preached that he baptized with water, but that one would come after him and would baptize with the Holy Spirit. Well, there are different accounts of exactly when people receive the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. In the words of Peter on the day of Pentecost, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It seems at the time that they were baptized, they received the Holy Spirit. At the house of Cornelius, the Spirit is poured out on the Gentiles while Peter is preaching, and they are baptized afterward. In the account which we read today, the 12 were baptized, but they received the Holy Spirit after Paul laid hands on them. Rob Staples in his book, Outward Sign, Inward Grace, says this, although baptism and the reception of the Holy Spirit stood in close relation in the New Testament church, Allowance must always be made for the freedom of God when bestowing the Spirit. Yet, many Christians and Christian groups have tried over the years to have a formula for receiving the Spirit. But if we study Acts, we find there was no formula. The Spirit fell when the Spirit wanted to fall sometimes before, sometimes after, and sometimes during water baptism. The importance seems not with the time of the falling, but with the fact of the falling. Baptism is the way in which we become the body of Christ. If we learn anything from the book of Acts, it is that Christianity is a corporate and social religion. The day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, 
did rest on each of them, but it was only when they were all together in one place. In Acts 19 of our passage today, the 12 believers are together with Paul when they are baptized and when they receive the Holy Spirit. And baptism has marked us all as Christ. We have become one body. And now that the way, early Christians were called the way, has come to everyone, we are no longer Jews or Greeks or Egyptians or Arabs or Romans. We are just God's people. And after the people in Acts 19 received the Holy Spirit, they began to prophesy. What is prophesying? In Acts, prophesying is speaking in God's name on God's behalf of God's work in the world. Are there many Christians today who like these believers in Acts who have not even heard of the Holy Spirit? Do they realize there is much more to the Christian life than repentance and forgiveness of sin and baptism with water? Do they realize that forgiveness and cleansing is just the first step in the walk of the Christian faith? The second step is receiving the world-transforming, dangerous power of the Holy Spirit. After or during baptism, each new believer is drawn into the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and every single one becomes a prophet. The gift of prophecy tells us to, prof to profess what God is doing now in the world with boldness. The gift of tongues and prophecy should remind us of the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell on the 120 praying in the upper room in Jerusalem. With the power of our baptism and the power of the Holy Spirit, we need to prophesy and proclaim with boldness and liberation to the captives and good news to the poor. The Holy Spirit is who inspired the martyrs to proclaim with boldness and power and eventually to give up their lives for the sake of Jesus Christ. And I'd like to give you an example of two of those martyrs. Perpetua and Felicity are martyrs who died in AD 203. When my father, in his affections for me, was trying to turn me from my purpose by arguments and thus weaken my faith, I said to him, do you see this vessel, water pot, or whatever it may be? Can it be called by any other name than what it is? No, he replied. So also I cannot call myself by any other name than what I am, a Christian. So writes Perpetua, young, beautiful, well-educated, a noble woman of Carthage in North Africa, mother of an infant son and chronicler of the persecution of the Christians by Emperor Septimus Severus. Perpetua's mother was a Christian and her father a pagan. He continually pleaded with her to deny her faith. She refused and was imprisoned at 22. In her diary, Perpetua describes her period of captivity. What a day of horror, terrible heat owing to the crowds, rough treatment by the soldiers. To crown all, I was tormented and with anxiety for my baby. She had been separated from her nursing infant. Such anxieties I suffered for many, many days, but I obtained leave for my baby to remain in prison with me. And being relieved of my trouble and anxiety for him, 
I once recovered my health and my prison became a palace to me and I would rather have been there than anywhere else. Despite threats of persecution and death, Perpetua Felicity, a slave woman and expectant mother, and three companions refused to renounce their Christian faith. For their unwillingness, all were sent to public games in the amphitheater. There, Perpetua and Felicity were beheaded, and the others were killed by beasts. Felicity had given birth to a daughter a few days before the games commenced. Perpetua's record of her trial and imprisonment ends the day before the games. Of what was done in the games, let them write who will. And the diary was finished by an eyewitness. Today is baptism of the Lord's Sunday. This passage in Acts should remind us to claim that full power of the baptism, not only of water, but of the Holy Spirit. Let us be willing to do whatever God calls us to do, whether it is prophesying or anything else that he has called us to do. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.